when you get out of a W-2 world and you get into the 1099 world or the entrepreneur world, whatever you want to call it, I know, Aaron, you know where I'm going with this. It kills you if you have that attitude that someone else is supposed to bring you the business. Yeah. No one comes to you and says, I got a great deal on a house. Do you want to flip it in the real world? You got to go look for that. You got to go fight for that. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, welcome back. You know, as promised, the hopefully you guys listened to our last podcast. It was the first half of what I'm about to finish. You know, David Green and I had an awesome conversation. We spoke for about an hour and a half about all sorts of stuff. There was so much good info in there. We couldn't stop recording, but I also didn't want to send you guys home with an hour and a half long podcast. So here is the second half of the podcast interview with David Green. Here we go. really cool to see what you've been doing and what you've been building. The, I always love giving the, the plug of that you were, as you started as an agent, you were listening to so much of the podcast and you heard fun tips on the podcast that you ended up uh, using. I loved when I first met you, the, you were still working, you know, full time as a, as an officer and real estate was like, you were already a more successful real estate investor and a more successful real estate agent than a lot of real estate investors and agents I had known, but it was like your side job. You were doing it mm-hmm. at night and on the weekends while you were a police officer. And the uh, and now just to think about what you guys have done. And we mentioned you, you're one, one of the co-hosts of my second favorite podcast <laughs> in, in the whole world for real estate agents. You and Brandon Turner host the Bigger Pockets podcast. And just through that, getting to see how many lives that you've continued to change uh, with that. And I guess now, so you've taken so much of the stuff that you've learned, you've redone the system and it took you a few years to get that system. But now that you're one of the first people I've heard talk about that kind of idea of working the agents through by the time they're ready, they're really ready and they're off to the races. The, and now you, you, you have a book coming out in January, right? You, and that's yes. going to be, pub, that's going to be published with bigger pockets as well. The, and you've been working on that for a while. So the, it's going to be part of, you're going to do a few books as part of yes. this new real estate agent release. So I basically wanted to write a book that t- taught people how to be a real estate agent because there's not many of them. And like I said, there's a big mentor gap. Right. You're so the mentor now. Not everybody in the world can come work on my team. So I took everything that I was teaching the agents on my team and I put it in book format and said, hey, this is what people need to know about real estate. And by the time I was done, it was about four books <laughs> long. It was like the Bible. Yeah. So Bigger Pockets Publishing had me break it into three different parts. And now we've taken uh, this book, which is basically new agents or inexperienced. They're not doing a lot of deals. So it's called Sold Every uh, Real Estate Agent's Guide to Building a Profitable Business. And this is all the things that nobody tells you when you get started, but you still need to know. And we're talking about things like what to do in your first 30 days, what kind of car you should drive or not drive, how to write up an offer what the escrow process actually is. It's amazing to me how many people have been agents for two years, but they sell two houses a year and they don't know what goes on in the escrow process. And it totally shows up in your confidence. You're not going to pitch yourself to the person you're buying a car from 
if you know in the back of your head, I don't even know what happens in the escrow process. And typically they're waiting for someone else to come teach them and that person never shows up. So this book is like the granular details. When your client says X, you say Y, here's a script, say it just like this. Because there's a really big difference between, hey, bad news, we got an offer and it's really low, sorry, versus, hey, great news, we got an offer on your property and we have some areas where we can counter it. Would you like to go over it? Like no one told me that. I made that mistake many, many times. So this first book is designed for, hey, you want to get to the next level, keep listening to these podcasts, read this book, do the stuff that's in it. The second book will be, this is how you become a top producer. This is what the top agents in every market do that you're not doing. This is how they do it. This is the knowledge they have that you didn't have. Don't wait till you sell 100 houses before you learn this. Get it in the book. Then the third book will be how to be what I call a rock star, which is basically what I'm doing right now, which is putting a team of people around me. Okay, I'm working all these deals, but I'm doing... 1% of the work while the rest of the team does 99. As they do 99% of the work, they get 100% experience that they didn't have. Now, as they grow, I can lead them into lead generating and building their business that way. God, how to, you know, the how to be a rock star book. If I don't get to help be your publisher on that one for real estate rock. Now, the, the, you've got quite the publisher that you get to work with already. I, I love the whole spin at the beginning. If someone can come work for you, so, so listeners, if you guys can go join the David Green team, out in Northern California, then you don't need to buy the book, right? But the, but if you can't, if you're somewhere else in the world and you cannot come you join the team and get to learn, he's saying what he is doing that he has now built his team is going to be in the new book. If you guys go follow, you know, we'll have some links in the show notes for this. The, the book isn't quite out yet uh, as this comes out, but it's just going to be out in a few weeks. But go follow David on, on, on social media. The, I, I see how interactive he is out there. You'll be able, I'm sure that the day that launches, it's going to be on the Bigger Pockets page. It's well, you can pre order it now. If oh, you, you can. Gotta, yeah, biggerpockets.com slash new books. All right, my foot in my mouth. I almost, I almost killed all your chances of a sale today <laughs> thinking that. All right, so you can, you can do it now. Yes. And I would say if you know or love a real estate agent that is not doing as good as they want to be doing, even if you are doing good, get them the book. For the people that are not rock stars, there's a lot of shame in our industry because we're expected to do good. We're supposed to be wealthy and doing really well. We're supposed to know everything and there's very little training. So I feel like had I had a book like this when I got started, I would have avoided beating myself up quite a bit, which I think a lot of people do. You're totally right. The and yes, yeah, so and I went. I went to the Bigger Pocket site. Sold every real estate agent's guide to building a profitable business by David Green. So and it does say currently available for pre-order. So yeah, you can, you can buy it as a as a, a late early Christmas present for somebody. You can tell them uh, that it's coming. I I like the idea. It is interesting in the industry. There is people love people that are successful. Love teaching people that aren't. They love mm. teaching people that are new, but new people really struggle with saying, I'm new. They really struggle with saying, I need help. What else would you tell people like that? Right. That are, that, that, that are, are getting, that still get nervous. I know that's a sidetrack, but the, but what do you think about that? Well, the answer is you have to humble yourself enough to go find a person that you work underneath and do all their work that they don't want to do and don't expect anything in return other than knowledge. So one of the things that I talk about a lot is it's sad that we lost the apprenticeship program or the apprenticeship mindset that we used to have where you work directly underneath someone and they guided and they molded you and they really helped you build a skill set that was strong. And then you went out into the world and you succeeded. 
it takes delayed gratification to work that way. And we don't have a lot of that. So part of what I believe is a problem for new agents in the industry, and if you're a new agent, just hear me out here, is we have the W-2 mindset. In a W-2 position, you are for almost every single role I know of in any company, you're cleaning a fish that somebody else caught in some capacity. Okay, so if your first job was at uh, McDonald's, you're standing at the register punching in the order of a guest that came into you. McDonald's did all the work of getting that person in the door, running a marketing campaign. Like the person who's working in the restaurant, they think that the whole aspect of McDonald's is either making the fry, making the burger, working the register. That's like 5% of that company. The other 95% they never see. That's the people who are deciding what are we going to charge for this? How are we going to um, partner with certain people? What are, where are we going to get our supplies from? How are we going to make a training manual? What kind of marketing are we going to do? Where are we going to air commercials? There's a ton of business that you don't see when you just work in the W-2 position. The problem is because you only see the tip of the iceberg, that little 5%, you think that's all there is. And you start to develop really bad habits where you think showing up at work is all you're supposed to do. I'm here. I deserve to get paid. Yeah. And when you get out of a W-2 world and you get into the 1099 world or the entrepreneur world, whatever you want to call it, I know, Aaron, you know where I'm going with this. It kills you if you have that attitude that someone else is supposed to bring you the business. Yeah. No one comes to you and says, I got a great deal on a house. Do you want to flip it in the real world? You got to go look for that. You got to go fight for that. You got to go compete with the other person that is trying to flip a house. You got to be better at what you're doing. And when you become a real estate agent, that's the world you're walking into. You're not a, a waiter at a restaurant that waits for a hostess to literally bring a table to your section and sit them right in front of you. You got to go out there into the world, find that person, convince them to eat at your restaurant, and then do all the job of serving them. And new agents that are struggling, that are afraid to ask for help, that's a big reason why. They're still expecting their phone to ring their email to come. Where do you go to find the leads? They're not, they haven't embraced that this is like the wild, wild west and you got to go get them. So what I think the best thing anyone can do is go find an experienced agent and say, what do you hate the most? And everyone has their own thing. I hate paperwork. I hate organization. I hate uh, follow-up. I hate putting information into the MLS when I have a listing. I hate putting out my open house signs. There's something that they don't like. Say, I'll do it for you for free. All I ask you to do is teach me. Do as good of a job as you possibly can for that person. And your goal is to make them say, I never could have done it without Bobby. I never could have done Like Jenny is so useful. I wouldn't go back to ever not having her. And when you get there, you say, what else do you hate to do? I really hate having to schedule my own showings. Boom, I'll do it. Let me Now that I've scheduled it, what's your email? Let me put it in your calendar for you. What information do you need put in there? Let me do that for you. Just do that for them. Now they're like, huh, I couldn't live without this person. Hey, do you think I could go with you on a showing? Could I see how you do it? Could I see what you say? Show me your process. Now you're getting free training from that person. Eventually it's going to be, hey, I, I'm busy. I can't go show it. I double booked myself. Can you just go do it on your own? And now you've worked yourself into being a buyer's agent. There are so many opportunities available for the newer agents who are struggling to make themselves valuable to somebody else and learn the business from them but they don't think that way because you never have to do that in a W-2 job. In a W-2 job, your goal is to avoid doing work. I'm here. I'm getting paid. How do I figure out a way to make somebody else do the work? And it doesn't translate at all when you get into this kind of an industry. <laughs> 
Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Muchastegui with a quick commercial break from our sponsor, Rent Ready. And you've heard me talking about them lately. You heard them talking about the offers. I even interviewed Ryan Barone in episode 939. So you guys can go back and listen to that to learn more about Rent Ready. But here we go. Looking to streamline your rental property finances this year, tenant management can eat up a big part of your budget. So reducing turnover and avoiding costly vacancies can save you big bucks year over year. Keep a profitable cash flow with consistently occupied units when you use RentReady. With RentReady, all you need is one software to see expiring leases, list units, screen tenants, e-sign leases, track renter's insurance, send rent reminders, and collect rent online. RentReady can help you manage your tenants, increase retention, and keep business costs low. As part of a special deal, RentReady is offering our listeners a whole year of RentReady for one buck, right? That's what I'm always talking about. One buck, that's right, one dollar, but only if you use our code. So you have to use code ROCKSTAR and sign up for RentReady's annual plan at rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. If you've got one house, five houses, or 10 houses, and you just want to check it out, I've gone and looked at it. You know, I have a lot of rentals that we own, and, and we were using five or six different software technologies. One to be able to list properties, one to be able to accept money, to create the lease in a different document. We use DocuSign for other things. We've got all these different sources, but Rent Ready is doing it all for one. I recommend you go check it out. Yeah, in the, in the, the W-2 lifestyle is different. I've never heard someone say having a W-2 job is like cleaning a fish someone else caught. But that is, and a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are new agents that were coming from W-2. Others have been agents for a long time, but they know that, but they've experienced this with their new hires, the new people joining their team. That's a great mindset shift to be able to, because they don't realize that. Because yeah. as people are cleaning the fish someone else caught, a lot of times they're like, man, I'm doing all the work. That's I'm exactly the, what they say, Eric. Like, that's, I'm yes. the only one cleaning fish. I should that's, be making all the money. I'm the only one cleaning fish. He's doing nothing. That's and, the same thing. That's why I give the example of you've only seen 5% of what the work is. It feels like you're doing all the work when you're doing 5%. And, and I hear that all the time. Why would I give up half my commission if I'm doing all the work? And the answer is you're not. You didn't do the work to get that lead. You didn't do the work to build the brand. You didn't create the systems that you're using. You didn't train yourself how to do this. It's a very small percentage of the work that happens once that fish is in the boat. Getting yeah. the fish in the boat is the hardest part. So I feel like that mindset is toxic to being successful. And that's one of the things I talk about in the book is that your biggest enemy is showing up at work and thinking sitting at your cubicle and opening your email counts as work because it doesn't. You're actually losing money every day you go to work as an agent. You're paying licensing fees, MLS fees, office fees, um, all like national association, your state association, your local association, your MLS key. You're paying money every day. And if you didn't get a client, you lost money that day. So there has to be a sense of urgency of how do I get a fish in the boat? And if you don't know how to fish, the best thing you can do is get in the boat with someone that does know how to fish and say, can I bait your hook? Can I help? Can I learn with what you're doing? Well, you got a fish on the line. Can I try to reel it in, right? Can, can I help you? Okay, the fish are all caught. I'm going to clean them all. I'm going to gas up the boat. I'm going to clean it for you. If you took that attitude, the people that are catching a lot of fish would love to partner with you. And I, I really think that if, if someone honestly wanted to make it in this business, there's nothing that would stop them if they took that approach. Yeah, I, I remember my, it was like my third year in college. I had gone, I moved from Oregon down to California. So I was an out of state resident. I was paying a crazy amount of money for my tuition 
I was old enough that my parents weren't paying for me, but, but, but not so old that it was paid for by myself. So the, so my, it seemed like, I, I think I, it came down to every time I went into a class, it was costing me 200 bucks. And so when I would go in, I would tell myself, and, and, and I went back when I was a little bit older. So I was, was older than your average student. I was like 23, 24. So it helped me have that mindset because the money meant something. But I knew whenever I went into class, like I was paying a couple hundred bucks for that hour. So what was I going to learn that day that was going to be worth it? And I remember being on the hunt, like as I was listening and paying attention and taking notes and the, and I was studying construction management and real, real estate development. So I knew I was very focused on this was my career. And so the things I learned today are going to help me in my career. And then every, you know, most of the time, not every single class, but most of the time before the end of the class, I'd say, okay, that's the thing. That's the thing. I just paid 200 bucks to learn. Now it only took him one minute to tell me that, but it was 59 minutes of the other stuff that we didn't necessarily need to know and then them knowing it forever. I mean, if we're honest too, even the systems that you've come up with in your office, hundreds of people have impacted that, right? So when people are like, it's not only the guy cleaning the fish didn't, didn't come up with the system. Like you came up with a system after studying you know, dozens of people and they came up with it after studying dozens of people and it's getting better every year mm-hmm. and every couple of years. You know, it's a, the, the, the industry is continuing to get better and better. And it's a, you know, there's no industry like real estate, people being able to, I can't think of another one where people can go get a license without a college degree and, you know, and they could go learn from somebody else for free and a year or two later be getting a ton of deals. Another, it's, it's really sickening. It is there, sickening. There's an example I use in the book where I'm comparing it to being a doctor and our buddy, Daniel Del Rio was the first person who really brought this up. And, and he said like, David, how long do you think it takes a doctor before they're ready to start working? And I believe yeah. it was like, it was like eight years of education, maybe 10 plus another two years of residency. So you're at like 10 to 12 years. And Aaron, what would you guess that the average doctor's student loans are after medical school? And undergrad? Oh man, you're talking 10 years. If I was just going to do simple math, it'd be like, you know, two or 300,000 bucks, right? So you owe 300,000 and you had yeah. to give up 10 to 12 years of your life before you started making any money. And then you have nonstop stress of, did I kill somebody today? Did I make a mistake? You're working 12 hours in a hospital. You're getting held over longer. You're dealing with insurance headaches. Like it's a tough life being a doctor. And that's a job that is considered extremely prestigious in our country. If, if someone said, hey, you want to go to medical school and be a doctor? Almost everyone would say, yep, I'll do that. They make great yeah. money. I want to go do it. And let's say that, what do you think a doctor makes in a year, like the average doctor? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I have to imagine they make a couple hundred thousand a year, at least, yeah. you know, maybe a few hundred thousand a year. I think nationwide, it was around 212,000, but in certain markets, it's going to be higher, obviously, like yeah. in California. So let's say it's certain like specialties or whatever. There you go. $300,000. But if you add their student loan debt to what they had to take on, what they're paying that back, that's significantly less than 300000 And if you add on to the fact they didn't get to make that for 10 years of their life, right? Like that ends up your first year that you made 30000 divide that by 10, that's like thirty grand a year. That's not that good of money. You have to be a doctor for a very long time before you actually start to see like an, an increase. Now compare this to being an agent, zero debt, you, you just study and get a license and you can be working in four to six months. If you got to go a couple years apprenticing under somebody else, but you approach it as if this was medical school with that much vigor, and I'm going to take my job that serious, I'm going to study the heck out of everything that I'm doing. And I'm going to treat this like this person could die if I didn't do a good job. Do you know how quickly you can get to where you're making $300,000? That's what I mean by how sickening it is. Like it, for what we do compared to other things, it's almost limitless. 
it's just the wrong attitude and the wrong mindset that people have getting into it. Yeah. If you can, if you can work hard and stay the course and learn it, you know, one of the episodes that got published right before this one with David was a guy talking about working, making phone calls 10 to 12 hours a day, every single day. And six months into it, he got his first deal. And his first deal was like a short sale too. It wasn't even an easy deal. It was back like, okay, yeah, you are upside down, but you're my first listing lead. Let's see if we can short sale your house. I know my parents would have been much more proud to be able to say their son was a doctor instead of a house flipper. Right. Like the, but there is nothing quite like real estate for the opportunities it can provide. And also how quick, quick people can learn. One of the, that's one of the favorite parts about, about this podcast and what we get to teach people the, uh, well, you know, I know you and I can always talk forever before we jump off. I want to talk a little bit about some kind of real estate news that's out there and see. So, we, I mean, we had an election, right? You know, most of the news places will say, all right, the election's over. And then in a month we're going to have, uh, New president in looks like the Senate's going to stay around the you know around the same. The what do you? So there's been a lot of news of will taxes change? Not will real estate change? Not have you been studying up on much of that? I, I'm not the biggest politic guy, and I know that a lot of this depends on how the House and the Senate shape up. And I'm not up to date with how that's looking. I know it's still kind of like that's true. That's still way. that is still up in the air for sure. So until we know what happens there, it's hard to tell how much, because it's pretty safe to say that President Biden isn't going to be lowering taxes. Like they're, they're probably going to be going up or best case scenario staying the same. Um, He's also mentioned things like he wants to get rid of the 1031 like kind exchange. And if that's the case, there's probably several other tax uh, loopholes for lack of a better phrase that he's going to want to eliminate. So I've spent the last couple of weeks talking to different CPAs, trying to get an idea on all the different possible avenues of where this could go. And if they do, how to prepare for it. Um, I also live in California, which is a rough state to live in if you don't want to be paying taxes. If you don't like paying taxes, you live in the wrong state, brother. That's exactly right. The, uh, <laughs> so, uh, this was an, a really interesting article that was published in Inman a couple of days yesterday. And it says, Alabama and Georgia realtors sue the Trump administration over the unconstitutional eviction ban. So you and I, last time we talked, we talked about the CDC eviction ban. And I said, we had had some residents that had filled out the form that said the CDC, you know, if I get, if I get evicted, I'll be homeless. I have a better chance of catching COVID. It's all they had to put on the CDC form and all evictions, even though they haven't paid rent in four months, get postponed to January. So it says the trade groups allege the CDC moratorium unilaterally shifted billions of dollars in economic burdens from one group of Americans to others, landlords. So the, the Association of Realtors, Georgia Association of Realtors have filed a federal lawsuit to have the court vacate a nationwide eviction ban. Man, that would be a big deal if that goes through. And I, the, the, ban, the ban is supposed to expire December 31st, but the I think the reason they're still doing the lawsuit right now, because you would almost say like, hey, it's almost over, but they're trying to, one of the talks of the new stimulus was they were going to extend it another year. So there was, you know, you know, if they were going to get a stimulus assigned, that was what was proposed in it. The Trump was against extending it a year at the time. Now, who knows what that'll happen? What do you think about? It's interesting to see realtors sue, you know, finally, you know, that someone submitting a lawsuit to try to push back on some of uh, on some of the new stuff. I think it's really interesting. It, it says it pushes unilaterally shifted billions of dollars from one group of Americans to another very pro-renter, very anti-landlord, but landlords are people too. And most landlords only own one house. Like Bigger Pockets is the landlord investor, you know, podcast. 
So what are your, do you have any thoughts about that? Like the, is it, is it shifting from one burden from one group to another? It is. Yeah. There's no arguing that, but I would say it, it's probably going to continue to shift in that direction. I, okay. I wouldn't think that that with the, with the current way that it looks like with president Biden winning, you should probably expect to see more of that type of thing. Some of the ways that have benefited agents in particular, uh, have a lot to do with real estate investing. And we don't always realize that. So let's take the 1031 like kind exchange, mm-hmm. for example, that is a provision in the IRS code section 1031 that allows you to sell an investment property and replace it with another investment property. That's like, like in uh, nature, and with certain rules in place, avoid paying the capital gains tax when you sold it that made money. So when you sell stocks, let's say you made $20,000 in a year over stocks you sold, you would get taxed at the short-term capital gains rate on that gain. Real estate is an easy way that they can go after people and say, hey, you're, you got to pay us because you sold a property. But smart politicians understood if you tax people, they're not going to sell it. If you let them sell it and then roll it into another property, you're not actually avoiding the taxes, you're deferring them. We're going to let that snowball grow big so that when we do actually get taxes on it, it's a way bigger amount than every time that snowball turns, we take a bunch of chunk of snow out of it. So it never really grows big. If that's taken away, it's not going to lead to a lot of people paying taxes that they normally wouldn't have paid. The guys you and I know, Aaron, they're not going to sell their property. If they're going to get taxed at 30, 40, 45% of whatever it was, they're going to hold it and they're going to refinance it. And if you're an agent, that there's a lot of deals that you're selling because it was in the person's best interest to go sell it and buy another one. That's four different agents that all got paid when somebody sells a house and buys another house. Yep. There's also two loan officers that got paid in most cases when that happens. There's also all the employees that work for the agents and work for the loan officers. There's also two different title companies that were paid. There's two different home warranty companies that made money. There's uh, possible contractors on each of those deals that went in there, handymen that made money. There's home inspectors. There's appraisers. There's a ton of people that work in our business that only get paid when properties change hands, that's what I'm trying to point yeah. out here. When people sell less, it doesn't just affect that human being right off the bat who own the property as in they have to pay higher taxes. It's all those other people that I just mentioned that now make less income because the property didn't change hands. Um, and that's something uh, that I wanted to point out. If things like that happen, it's going to affect our industry pretty significantly. Yeah, it... That it's such a good point that every law that happens that's anti-transaction, right? That postpones transaction, that just decreases demand a little bit. It's like when interest rates go up a little bit, demand inc- you know inc- decreases a little bit. A few less transactions will happen. But when a few less transactions happen, it it affects a lot of people. I'd be curious to see how many you know how many people did ten thirty one exchanges last year. You know, so you get to see like how how many people that can affect along the way. But it's a big deal. And it is. And you've seen that meme that said uh, it was like a, a, a resident, a tenant reading their rent increase and said, wait, I didn't vote for I had voted for increased taxes on my landlord, but not to increase my rent. Right. And it's like, but realizing that everything flows downhill. So the, if you get rid of 1031 exchanges, so that means people have to pay more tax. They just won't do the transactions and everybody else doesn't get paid from that. So the home inspector that was making four hundred dollars on that now he makes five thousand less this year. 
yep. right? Because there's no 1031 exchanges. And we get, we tax, we lose income tax on all that money that people used to make. It's yeah. not just, oh, we're going to gain 1031 money. Dude, that's the ultimate analysis, right? To go, hey, by eliminating 1031, we're going right. to bring back this many billion in tax money. But in, real, in reality, maybe they aren't because they're, they're going to bring in less money. Is they're going to bring in less money as a net. Because and we need to be ready for that as agents to understand that a lot of the things that have fueled a really good market for us could be going away. Like interest rates have just gone down and down and down. Tons of people have been refinancing. Tons of people have been buying. As, as interest rates go down, the value of houses go up. People are more likely to have a transaction that changes hands. Hey, if I can sell my house, it's now worth more because rates went down for more money and I get to buy my new house at a lower interest rate, that makes sense. I'm going to do it. And a lot of these transactions happen. All it takes is one little switch where, hey, I have a three and a half percent rate and rates went up to five or 6%. So now my house is worth less because it's more expensive to own it. And I got to lose my three and a half to go get a six. I'm not going to do that, but it can really lock up a market hard. So I'm there's a few things that I'm looking at, assuming that that could happen. Save your money. You need to be showtime mindset when there's an opportunity to make money. You can't assume it's always going to be there. And you need to be a more balanced for real estate person. Okay. I'm an agent, but I'm also an investor. I don't, I don't worry about the market turning around. I just know at some point it's going to happen. I'll just change my strategy. Oh, like I'm just going to go buy rental property. I'm going to go buy properties because I can buy them with less money down. Like I'll, I'll, I'll benefit from real estate in a different way. So that's another area. If agents are hearing this and they're getting scared, like you're only scared because you don't have a plan for option B. Start putting a plan in place for option B and, it, and it, you can see opportunity there. Right. And, and that could be just encouraging your seller. So your seller that was going to sell a 1031 to say, hey, you need to refinance right now with that low rate and now go buy another property. So now instead of selling it and getting it because of the new low rates, by cashing out your equity, you can essentially sell it to yourself Yep. Without having it, you know, by refinancing it, that's going to be one of those changes. And there's going to be every time a new law comes out, finding that loophole. You talk about just one little shift. I, I just pulled up a chart for like you know, interest rates over time. And I remember back in, it looks like end of 2004, beginning of 2005, when interest rates first started to tick up. I was working for a home builder in Southern California. We were like living the best life ever. We were, we were golfing a couple of days a week. The houses were like building themselves. As soon as we built it, prices were going up all the time. And I remember the first time when my boss, Nick, he came in and said, hey, the Fed just increased rates. And it was the first time in years they had increased rates. And that was the beginning of the end. They just increased the rate like a quarter of a point. But that's what started that whole downfall. You know, that was the first time where all of a sudden you know, it took like 12 months for price to peak. But that was the moment where where the momentum changed directions and it was just from that shift of a quarter point. And you get to see that chart and interest rates went up, up, up. They started coming down again in 2008 and 2009 was kind of the beginning of the recovery uh, as it goes. So yeah, could be one little decision. You know, the, the, that article talked about you know, non-institutional investors own and manage 72% of rental properties. So a lot of times when people think that they are sticking it to the man, yeah. Right. The CDC thing or the 1031 thing. I mean, you agents know this, your res, your, your clients, your, your people out there, they don't own 50 houses, a hundred houses. Most of them own a couple. And as these laws fix them, you know, people are out there. So figuring out that backup plan on how you can replace a business and replace an income stream. The, uh, you know, there's all these other like acquisitions going on right now with, you know, CoStar and there's, you know, there's different things in the news and maybe that'll have to be next week's state of the market. We go into some of those acquisitions that are happening. I saw an article that said iBuyers are, you know, in the third quarter, 
their deals went down like 80 or 90%, right? So iBuyers were second quarter of the year, there was so many iBuyers transacting, but now third quarter 2020, um, the iBuyer transactions were way, way down. Now I would guess that that's because the market is so hot that, you know, that people have realized like, whoa, I can actually hire an agent. It's almost like people used to go to iBuyers because they were worried they'd have to fix up their house to sell it. Mm -hmm. But now the market is so hot, you can list a house on the market on MLS that's in crappy condition and get an offer. And so maybe there's more, there may be more people were like, you know what? I, my, my agent told me that I can list it like this and, I'll, and we'll just leave for, we'll even list it with pictures. We'll do a virtual walkthrough with a phone. Any other thoughts on, on like, it's not, it's not that surprising to me. Was it surprising to you to see the iBuyers are losing so much market share? No, I think when you and Dave were on our podcast, we talked a little bit about the iBuyer thing. Mm -hmm. And my expectation for that niche is that there's a lot of models that work when the tide is rising. So I remember when I was a lot younger in 0203, maybe more like 0405, there was this company like Help You Sell, companies like that, that would say, we're a flat fee brokerage will just charge $3,000, which maybe by today's money is like $6,000, $7,000 to sell your house, no commission based. And the market was so red hot. It didn't matter who your agent was. People were going to go buy your house. And I remember just seeing these help you sell signs all over the place. And then 09, 2010 came and I never saw one again. That company either went bankrupt or just became nothing because it became hard to sell a house and the tide wasn't going up, making you think that you were doing better. And I'm not going to name any names, but there are a lot of brokerages and real estate models that are doing well right now because houses are selling themselves. There's very yeah. low inventory. There's very low rates. Everybody wants a house because they don't want to live in a, in a townhouse, a condo, or an apartment when COVID's making them shelter in place. There's a lot of things that are fueling. It makes sense to go buy real estate. And um, the iBuyer program is one of those things that benefits when everything looks great. They can go write an aggressive offer. As long as prices keep going up, they're going to be fine. What happens to those iBuyer program the minute prices either stagnate or start to go down? What happens to a lot of these companies that are um, selling agents some service that they no longer need when it's hard to sell real estate um, or the help you sells of the world that say we are the cheapest. So go with us. It's great when it's easy to sell houses. Yeah. The second it becomes hard and you actually need training, you need someone to um, hold you accountable. You need an office to meet with people face to face. A lot of these trendy things that are working right now won't be working. I expect a lot of those companies to go under. So part of being in the 1099 mindset is never assuming it's always going to be fine. Someone's always going to walk through that door. I'm always going to get that paycheck. That's the W-2 thing. When you're 1099, yeah. you're always expecting it's going to change. How am I going to be prepared for that to happen? Yeah. The, we, and we did talk a lot about that. How when, it's, when the market's easy, everybody's a good investor. Everybody's a good agent. Every system's out there. You know, I'd recently bought a house at a foreclosure auction and just listed it on the market as is like blue tape still on it. It was still winterized. It, it broke all of my rules because I was trying to see just how crazy the market was. My rule used to be no signs of foreclosure. Like one of our checklists was you have to, or, you know, there's a sticker on the front door of all the foreclosures in the windows saying like, Hey, this has been winterized. We just left all that stuff to say like, Hey, what will happen? you know, with this market, will we get offers? And we still got offers right away. And that is something that can only happen now. 
it was like not bringing my A game. It was like bringing my C minus D game mm. just as an experiment to see just how crazy the market it has been. So it'll be, you know, right now market's hot. So the, so a lot of the stuff does sell themselves, but as an age, as a buyer's agent, you got to work a lot harder to get the deal done. We also made a, made a full price cash offer on a house today. The moment it got listed and got an email an hour later that said, sorry, we did not accept your offer. It's like, what, man, I'm not used to that. Yeah. The, I am not, no, I'm not the, I'm not the blind, you know, bid guy. So really Uh interesting time, but we did. So there was a couple of times I was on the bigger pockets podcast. So if you guys want to learn more about me, we've actually heard that on some of the reviews. Like who's Aaron? How did he get here? <laughs> why is Aaron hosting the show now? He doesn't you know? sound like Pat. Right. Why did Pat, why did Pat hand the, the reins over to Aaron? Who is this guy? His, you know, he's not as handsome. His voice is not as good. But you can go learn more about me. If you go to listen to Bigger Pockets Podcast 396, uh, that, was the, that was the second one I was on. I th- and I think the first time I was on was a year ago with you and Brandon. Um, let me see if I can figure out. When that one was. While you're looking, I'll just tell everyone here, if you don't know who Aaron is, he is as close to the Dos Equis man as you're going to find outside <laughs> of a commercial. <laughs> the, 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 the most interesting, I think when we were on there, he says the most interesting man in the world. The, uh, yeah, well, you know, now when I search my name in bigger pockets, I see my book on there and the author page and I can't, can't find my old one. So I know it's on there somewhere. The, but the most recent one was 396. There's also uh, another one I did a year ago. Two good, po- oh, the other one was 325. So Bigger Pockets 325, Bigger Pockets 396. You go learn a little bit about me to decide if you should be listening to me as a host or not. The, I know you should be listening to David Green, super successful real estate agent. I am, I'm always so happy when I get to have you on here. As soon as we finish, I'm always like, go book another one. Let's get another show on the books so we can come back and be talking at the beginning of the year, especially you know when your book is out. Beginning of the year, we're going to have a whole bunch of news to talk about in the world, a whole bunch of topics uh, as you know administration starts changing. And you're a great guy to be thinking about what is the pivot going to be? So I think as laws change, I want to have you on here just so we can be talking about possible pivots. So the, you know, when, when they take away 1031, oh, it's refi and find something else. When they take whatever is getting taken away there next, you know, if the CDC does get extended a year and, there's, and, and you know, the eviction ban happens for a year and, those, and the real estate agents lose that lawsuit, how will we treat that? That's what we talked about last time was what to do if your tenants have sent you that CDC form, how to actually right. do that. So David, always a pleasure to talk. You and I could always talk forever the you know for you listeners that have listened the thank you for listening to david and i talked today go t- go find him on instagram you can go listen to him on the bigger pockets podcast you can go get his book the i am going to get his book for a lot of people as a gift i love the idea of going and getting that book as a gift to a new agent it's almost like a congratulations somebody goes hey i just got my real estate agent my, my license i'm starting this all right cool here's here's a book from a guy that i respect I can teach you a lot about being an agent, especially in your first year. David, any final thoughts, anything else you want to tell people? Thank you for that, Aaron. I would say we don't know what the pivot's going to be, but we do know there's a very high chance we're going to have to pivot. So if you don't know the actual tactics you're going to use, start warming up so that when it's time to stretch, you're ready to go. Just mentally accept the business is going to change. The industry is going to change. What worked yesterday might not work the same tomorrow. I'm okay with that. I'm a 1099. I, I move with the market. I like to use a lot of sports analogy when it comes to business because they're very similar. If you're a team that's doing really good, a football team throwing the ball and the opponents start to figure that out and put a lot of players back to stop you or maybe a lot of fast guys on their defense to keep your receivers from getting open, you got to be ready to run the ball. 
those skinny guys that are fast don't tackle as well. So as long as you take that approach that I always have to make adjustments, you'll fall in love with our business. It's when you're in that W2 mindset that says, I just want to do the same thing all the time. And I get angry when there's change that you start to not like the business. And then it gets tougher to talk to clients. And you know, overall, you're just not as happy of a person. So this is an awesome podcast to listen to, to stay aware of what's going on, but you can always work on your mindset, even if you don't know what's going on so that when the change comes, you're ready to rock. Yeah. I, there is nothing I'm going to be able to add to that. Such a great point though. And one, the only thing that is certain is stuff will change. And when stuff does change, it's, there's a lot of grief in that. There's a lot of grief when I realized I wasn't going to be able to take my daughter to New York for her birthday. For the birthday, she'd be planning to go to Broadway forever. And this year it was not going. There's grief in change and having to accept change. But if we can start accepting now that the that our world is changing faster than it ever has, and who knows what's going to happen in January or February, but if we mentally prep ourselves that, hey, it's not going to be like this. Our, our life is going to be different in January. It's going to be different in March, better, worse, whatever. If we prep ourselves that change is coming, then maybe we will be able to adapt faster. David Green, thanks again for coming on the show. Real Estate Rockstars, thank you for listening. You know, as I always say, you know, if you love the show, go give us a review. If you hated the show, go give us a review. I'll shed a little tear, but I need to know what you guys want to hear and how to do it. And if there was something that we said that changed your life or you think would change someone else's, please go share it. Tell your friends about them. You know, tell them to come download the podcast, listen to the podcast, and we will see you again, listen to you again in a few days. Thanks. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate, how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. And if you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our real estate rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.